Welcome to the Resilient Rainer, the premier podcast focused on mental performance for equestrians and improved horse show performance. Whether you're a rookie rainer or a seasoned competitor, this show is for riders who want to take their skills to the next level and achieve their full potential in the show ring. I'm Nicole Burnett, and I'm a master mindset coach who's obsessed with helping you achieve all those horse dreams you always thought were impossible. Join me each week to develop a show-ready mindset and gain the competitive edge you need to compete with confidence. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to the Resilient Reader podcast. I am your host, Nicole Burnett, and I am thrilled to be with you again this week. It is always so great to just have you here with me as we delve into this world of mental performance for Western writers. Now, today, I have been reading a book on peak performance, and this is focused on athletes, particularly surfers and skiers is the background of the author of this book. But I love to learn always. I am always reading and improving. And I love to take all these insights from other athletes and other sports and figure out how can we apply these to horse riding because I am all about improving our game. This is why I'm here doing what I do. I know that the best way to level up our riding is to get our mind right. Okay, so this book is on peak performance and it's called The Art of Impossible. In it, the author is talking about, so one of the things this book does that I love and is really amazing to be able to bring to horse riders is he talks about the intersection of our physical bodies, our physical biology, and how that interplays with peak performance. And I think that is amazing because I am fascinated by the connection between our minds and our kind of mental, spiritual, emotional experience and how that interplays with our literal physical bodies that get us through life and how does that impact our writing? How does that impact our competition and training and all of that? In this book, The Art of the Impossible, he talks about how there are, from research, there are 22 triggers that have been studied, they've been researched, we can identify them. 22 triggers that we know of that trigger us to go into a flow state. Now, if you're not familiar with what that means, these flow triggers, they're in our biology. And basically, we can leverage them to just catapult our attention into the present moment to help us be fully present in the here and now. And so I want to bring these to you And I am so fascinated by this. I think you're going to love this because if you've heard anything about deep work, if you've heard anything about flow, I suppose a a quick preface might be helpful here. So think of it as flow state as like the secret for ultimate performance, right? And optimal well-being. This is when you feel your best, when you perform your best. Imagine you just like, you got to get your horse and they're ready. They're waiting for you. You hop in the saddle and everything is clicking. It's just amazing. It's incredible. Imagine those times when you just lose track of time 
because you're so absorbed in your time with the horse. I feel like that a lot of times once I get out there and I start doing horse things, I'm just completely in it. You might also think of this if you've ever played a musical instrument. If you've ever had like a eureka moment where like everything is clicking, if you're just in a a really engaging conversation, if you've been just dancing, any of these things, right? Anytime if you're doing these physical activities, particularly with horses, when everything is just going amazing, you are completely in this state of flow. So as I'm trying to describe it, the question here, of course, is not whether you've experienced this state because you probably have. And the more interesting question is, well, how often do you experience this state, right? When you think of those perfect rides, do you think of that as just something that's so elusive? Maybe it's not really for you and it just kind of spontaneously happens, right? It just happens to you when everything lines up in your favor. And the thing about flow is that it really can show up for anybody. It could show up at any time when you meet certain conditions, all right? And so you could have a little bit of flow, like micro baby flow. You could have, you know, macro flow. There's a whole spectrum of experience for flow. But when you're in that flow state, you don't seem to need like a conscious intervention. It just flows, if you'll allow me that. And every moment just flows from one moment to the next. You're in control of your actions and you're just completely like past, present, future is all right now. So it's just those perfect, amazing rides when you are just beyond in tune with your horse, right? So this is what we're talking about for flow. When everything kind of slows down and maybe your horse is spinning faster than they ever have, but you're riding it. And things like, you know, if you're running faster, your horse really, (laughs) you guys are running faster than you've ever ran. And it's just amazing. And you're totally there. So this is what we want, right? We want peak performance. We want to be in flow. And we don't use this term a ton in the horse world, right? We don't really talk about peak performance as much or being in flow, but you all know exactly what I'm talking about. So I'm going to borrow some of these terms from outside of our industry to describe it. We want to be in flow. We want that peak performance, all right? Because this is when you feel in sync with your horse and your riding just becomes effortless. It's just a magical state where everything clicks. So today, I want to try and break this down into some bite-sized pieces for you. And I want to talk through each of these 22, there's a lot, okay, low triggers. And then we'll dive into a couple of them more in depth to really talk about how do these apply to us as riders? How can this really be a game changer for Western riders? Because this is absolutely going to help you to ride like a champion. So we've gone over flow, what it is, that feeling of being completely absorbed in the present moment when you're just so immersed in your ride that everything else fades away. 
This is so key again, because your reactions are going to get quicker. Your decisions are going to be so spot on and your overall performance is going to increase. It's going to soar. It's like a superpower for equestrians. Okay. And these triggers that we're going to talk about, these are the triggers that are like the keys that unlock the flow state. These keys, they come in a variety of of things, psychological, environmental, social. And the cool thing is these triggers aren't just limited to sports. They're not just limited to riding. These triggers for flow are universal triggers. So you can apply this to any area, any aspect of your life. But of course, today, our focus is on how these triggers specifically relate to us as riders. Because if you're a horse person, everything needs to be filtered through the lens of horses, right? So we're going to filter everything through horses. Like I said, these flow triggers, they're environmental, social, psychological factors that enhance your likelihood of entering that state of flow to get you peak performance, engagement, and overall well-being will increase. Because this is a really cool thing. Where from a quality of life perspective, if you're looking at your overall well-being, psychologists who've studied this, they find that people who have the most flow in their life, they're the happiest people. So if you want to be happier, get into flow more often, okay? This will help. All right, let's dive in. And I do have some notes because there's 22. I needed a list of all of them, so I didn't forget any of them. Of course, one of the cool things about this is that these triggers to get into flow, they're unique. They can be different for everyone. So listen along and understanding your individual flow triggers, they'll help you learn how you can perform your best. We're going to go through some common examples and how you can use them to induce an optimal flow state. I'm going to do kind of a more bird's eye view before we get into them. So stay with me because it's going to get a little bit technical, but not too technical. Okay. I'm sure that you've heard. So two of the main mechanisms they use have to do with either dopamine or I've heard people say dopamine and dopamine. So pick your pronunciation. And they either go through affecting dopamine or reducing your cognitive load, which is making it easier on your brain, basically. So if we're talking about dopamine, which is a chemical that is happening in your brain, then we're triggers related to that have to do with curiosity, passion, purpose. I mean, you already see the relationship to horses, right? Passion, curiosity, purpose, you already see it, right? Autonomy, novelty, complexity, and unpredictability and surprise also relates to horses. <laughs> and those are things that are related to dopamine. You've probably heard the word dopamine, but in case you're not quite sure what it is and what it does. So dopamine, it's a neurotransmitter. It's inside your brain and it plays a really big role in pleasure, in motivation. It helps you feel good, right? It's why you get stuck watching 
more and more videos on social media, easy hits of dopamine. So some flow triggers are related to that. Other flow triggers are related to reducing your cognitive load. These are things, triggers related to really deep embodiment, complete concentration, right? Also things like clear goals, immediate feedback, and the challenge to skill ratio, aka when you're doing something with your horse, is it something that's easy for you, something that you're outmatched, or something that's just like a little bit of a challenge? So these are the two mechanisms that are really related to how these triggers might work. So that's kind of an interesting like context is, you know, in the background, inside your body, are you getting this hormone, this neurotransmitter, or is it kind of helping your brain out, right? Reducing your cognitive load. And so these flow triggers, they are preconditions to help you allow a state of flow. This is basically like a life hack, major life hack here. These triggers, because when you're in flow, you are in the present moment, right? Which is a major thing that I talk about with my clients and we work on is how do you get 100% in the present moment so you can have the best ride? So these triggers, they allow you to focus all of your attention in the present moment on whatever you're doing in that moment with your horse. They will just open up the process in your systems, in your bodies for these chemicals, you know, like the saying dopamine and norepinephrine to go into your system to help you out with concentration and engagement, which is really cool, right? And when I say reduce cognitive load, I mean when I say where it's like make it easier on your brain, right? Let's reduce the number of things that we have to pay attention. And when we do that, it helps us free up more energy so that we can spend it on the here and now. Okay, there's a couple different types of these flow triggers. So when we're talking about them, we can have internal and external triggers. Internal triggers are ones that are inside of you. For example, might be if you complete a really challenging task. So let's say you're working with your horse and you are going along and you have the best stop ever, right? That's a really challenging task. (laughs) So you nail that stop. That can be a trigger, but just anything that is challenging is a trigger. This is an internal trigger because internally it changes how you feel. Okay. So an external trigger is something to induce flow during a specific task. But this is something where, let's say you like to listen to music. An internal example is like completing a challenging task and you're getting a rush of dopamine. And then an external trigger is something like putting on your favorite playlist of tunes that really gets you in the mood. I'm sure you have it. I kind of alternate personally between really like pump it up tunes that are super high energy and my very specific solfeggio frequencies of like 432 hertz, 528 hertz and like very soothing calm. You know, we've all got that. You know what I'm talking about when I say you'll have like a playlist. That's an external trigger to help you. Okay. We also have creative triggers. So this is a third one or excuse me, a third 
type is what I should say. A third type is creative triggers. These are things that help you out in the creative process. And riding horses, being a horseman is a very creative process because we're always thinking, we're being creative, we're trying to just come up with new and improved things, ride better. I think it's a very creative experience. It's definitely more like art than science. So exploring a new medium is being creative. So with your horse, it's very creative. Like any day you do cross training, for example, right? Let's say you only do reining and then you're starting out trying some ranch riding. You're exploring a new medium. That's a creative thing. And the fourth type here of triggers are group flow triggers. These are factors that promote a collective or a group state of flow. So think which is like an open brainstorm. In the horse world, this might be like if you and your buddy or you and your trainer are talking about something and you're like, hey, I'm trying to brainstorm the best way to teach my horse this maneuver. What do you think? Tell me what, you know, like, what do you see? What do you think? What can we try? What have you done? And just think that kind of open brainstorm is an example of that, like a group flow trigger. So these are the four categories of flow triggers, internal, external, group flow, and creative flow. So as we go through these flow state triggers, what I want you to do is I just want you to note which ones resonate the most with you and just think about how you could apply them with your horse, with your riding, and how you could apply them to hack flow so that you can have even better rides. All right, so... Internal flow triggers. As, as an introvert, I love these internal flow triggers. The first one I want to talk about is just autonomy. This really means having the freedom, having the authority to make your own decisions. So if we're talking about autonomy, the idea is that you're going to pay more attention, right? And it's all about focus when we're talking about flow. You're going to pay more attention if, you know, metaphorically speaking, you're the captain of your own ship when you're in charge of that ride and you have authority and autonomy over where you go, right? I'm metaphorically and literally here in what we're talking about. And this is key. I think that this is also a really important one to bring up because I love trainers. They're amazing. And I'm also might even contradict myself a little bit further down because there's definitely room for back and forth. But I think the point here is that I really encourage people to be autonomous, to be in charge of their own lives, in charge of their own experiences, to be making decisions for their horse. As a mental performance coach, I am not in people's ears when they are showing. We practice techniques and I teach them ways that they empower themselves to show better, to ride better, to train better. I've talked to clients literally moments before they go in the show pen, but when they are in the arena, they're doing it. What I have noticed is I have observed that there are times when in different, you know, disciplines will be different. But for example, in reining, I will see people using, say, Bluetooth headsets with their trainers and the trainers will be talking them through rides. I will 
posit that that works for some people. And from a mental performance standpoint, I find that that can interfere with flow because they become more focused on listening to the feedback in their ear than they are with riding their horse and listening to their horse and being fully present in the moment as an autonomous rider who's guiding the ride, if that makes sense. I think this is one where autonomy can show up in a couple different ways. So that's one that, like I said, from the unique perspective of a mental performance coach, it's not always helpful to have someone dictating your every move in a show situation. It's not saying that I'm against trainers. I'm not against lessons. I participate in both. I'm just saying that in that specific situation, you have to think about, is this stopping you from reaching flow? Yes, no. And you need to question that because there is a time and a place for feedback. Absolutely. But make sure that it's actually helping you. So we'll start off with my you know, spicy opinion right off the bat. The other thing about autonomy is this is about having the freedom and authority to make your own decisions. This is so cool. When I'm looking into the research, autonomy can show up in unexpected ways, unexpected manners, but can be things like, when do you get to go ride your horse? That's an example of autonomy. Or deciding what you're going to do in a ride. That's autonomy. And so it can show up in different ways, right? It encompasses a lot. When do you ride your horse? What are you going to do in your training session? What classes are you going to enter? What shows are you going to enter? All of this is related to autonomy. And so I want you to look at autonomy from a fairly broad perspective when we talk about flow. So gives you something to munch on, right? Right here, coming in strong. Okay, the next one I want to talk about for internal flow triggers is just complete concentration. This is all about, we've got to channel your focus, all of your mental resources, all of your attention to just a single focused task. You've got to be so laser focused on the task at hand because I know that you know what I'm talking about. When you get in that state, any irrelevant, just stimuli, anything else, it just disappears from your consciousness. It completely fades away. And your worries and concerns get temporarily suspended. So complete concentration is a huge trigger for flow, which is, again, why with my clients, you know, we focus so much on teaching them skills for how do you focus on demand? How do you do that? How can you snap your fingers and be like, boom, I'm here, right? That's so key. Okay, so complete concentration. I also want to talk about clear goals because setting really specific objectives, setting well-defined goals that provide you with this roadmap for all of your hard work and efforts along the way, this helps get into flow because it provides you with this clear understanding of what do you need to have a successful outcome and you just start working towards it, right? It gives you that roadmap you need. That is really helpful, really relevant. The third internal flow trigger here we'll talk about passion, purpose, and curiosity. I love talking. I've always said curiosity is a superpower. So when I saw this, I was like, yes, curiosity. So passion, purpose, and curiosity. This is about you get to apply your own meaning and you get to apply your own values 
to what you're doing. So why are you riding your horse? What are you doing? (laughs) Not in a rude way, but what are you doing? Why are you doing it? You have these strong intrinsic motivators. So you're not primarily guided by extrinsic motivators. You know, we're talking about fame, money, power. And those are powerful motivators because they do relate to collecting resources and survival. But the activity, in our case, riding our horse, right? That's a whole thing just by itself. And the activity, like the horse time, is its own reward. That's really cool. So just think about that. Think about passion and purpose and curiosity and how that applies to your time with horses. Okay, so challenge to skill ratio. This is a really key one when it comes to getting into flow. This is about finding the balance between the level of challenge that you're presented with by a task and your own skill level. The idea is that if something is too easy, your brain's going to check out. It's going to be like, I don't need to be here. I'll see you later. I'm going to take a break. And if something is too hard, your brain is also going to check out and be like, I can't do this. This is above my pay grade. I'm totally paralyzed. No, 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 no. And it won't work. If it's just right, but the key for flow is you want to be just above your skill level, like just a little bit challenging. Because what it does is when something is a little bit of a challenge, it engages your curiosity and you want to figure it out, right? You're like, ooh, I think I could get this. I'm pretty sure I can do this. I just need to figure out just this little thing and I could do it, right? And so that is so key for getting into flow. When you think about the horse that you're paired with, one, because this is why like a beginner horse, beginner rider can be such a poor match, but having a horse whose skills complement your skill level is really key. Also think about the tasks that you work on and why, for example, I talk a lot about breaking things down into really tiny goals because you have that big goal, but are you overfacing yourself? And if you overface yourself, you're going to circumvent getting into flow, period. You know, for example, let's say you're working on a lead change and let's say your horses had the winter off, you're coming back and they're really out of shape. If you go out and you're trying to get them to teach them this thing and they don't know what you're talking about and you're just, I don't know, trying to get them to do it and it's really going poorly, you've overfaced it and you're going to have a hard time getting into flows if you kind of back up, break it into a couple steps, do things like, hey, maybe I'm going to counter canter a few rides and see how that goes. And I'm going to make sure that they can move off my legs when I ask them to do that because I'm going to need them to swing their hip around. And I'm going to make sure that they'll pick up the lead each way. And so you're going to just back it up so that you can make sure you've got all your dominoes lined up so that when you ask, this is both for your horse and yourself, you're not overfacing. You've got it at the appropriate level of challenge. And when you do that, you're going to be so much more successful and then you can fall right into flow. Okay, this is the perfect way to close out the internal flow triggers because One of the things that can really help you is immediate feedback. And I know that I said with autonomy, you have to be careful that you have some, you know, level of autonomy so that you can be in flow. This is my favorite thing. I love taking lessons and getting that immediate feedback because 
when you can get that specific information that's super timely about your progress and your performance while you're immersed in a task, oh, it's amazing because it can be that like eagle eye to help you just make a minor tweak and then boom, you're in flow because you fixed that little tiny thing you needed to fix. And that is amazing. So immediate feedback. This is when we can get that clear sense by timely and specific information of how you're performing in real time. Receiving that immediate feedback, this helps trigger in your brain this heightened state of self-awareness, heightened concentration. And so you're just really fully present in the moment to pay attention to all the nuances of your writing in that moment. So here are some tips for harnessing this power of immediate feedback. This is something like taking lessons with trainers or taking having a good friend give you some feedback on the ground, right? This is a great way to get that. The Another way that you can do this if you don't have access to a friend or trainer is figure out how you can do some self-monitoring. But you can do things like record yourself to cultivate self-awareness. You can journal about your rides. These are great ways that you can help get provide feedback to yourself. Now it's time to talk about the external flow triggers. And the really cool thing about being us as humans is that we can design our environment around us. And actually, I did a newsletter about this last week, very recently, the last week or two, I actually wrote a newsletter about this. So if you're not subscribed, I'm going to put in a plug for the Resilient Rainer newsletter because in addition to producing the Resilient Rainer podcast, I also put out the Resilient Rainer newsletter where you get alerts to the Resilient Rainer podcast when I release new episodes and you get written newsletters on mental performance and topics. So all these sort of tips and advice straight to you. So just go ahead and there'll be a link in the show notes, newsletter.resilientrainer.com. You can sign up and get even more mental performance goodness to keep you on the top of your game sent straight to you from me personally. I would love to have you there. So the cool thing about designing our environment is that this really can help us to shape your experience and help you get it more likely that you'll experience flow. These are triggers that are related to that that you can leverage by you know, adjusting and manipulating your environment. Okay, the first one that I want to talk about is risk. We're talking about having high consequence. And I think horses tend to fall in that without doing a lot just because they are thousand pound animals that have their own brains. And even if they're wonderful and doing everything perfectly, sometimes they can stumble and fall. And there's always an element of risk just inherently, you know, it's what all of the release signs say, right? <laughs> Inherent risk in equine activity. So the type of risk doesn't matter when you're generalizing this as long as it exists. A few examples of risk are things like physical risk. That's the big one that horses are usually involved with. Social risk. This would be if you decide to share kind of an unpopular opinion or emotional risk. Emotional risk are things like when you have to be vulnerable or have a really like difficult, demanding conversation with somebody. That's a high consequence. 
creative risk. So let's see. Oh, financial risk. Yep. If you put down some significant money, you're going to likely drive your focus in that direction, right? So those are so physical, social, emotional, creative, financial risk, all examples of risk. Horses have plenty of physical and financial risk. But you have to be willing to engage in an activity that has a certain amount of uncertainty is probably a softer word for risk, uncertainty. Okay. Another one is just novelty. Just going in and doing something new and unexpected in your experience. So just think like shiny new object, right? That's kind of a thing people like to say nowadays. Our brains are just wired to pay attention. They give that extra bit of focus to anything that they haven't encountered before. Like, you know, your horse does this too. If they see something new in the environment, they go, ooh, what's that? And something new could be a beautiful landscape. It could be a video game, new business venture with your horses. This is part of the reason that cross-training can be so great and just really help propel your training and progress forward in very unexpected ways. Because when you're trying something new, you're trying a new discipline, right? Even if you don't compete, just take a lesson, try something out, go on a trail ride. When you do anything that's kind of novel, it has this effect in your brain of helping you pay extra attention, helping you get into flow with your horse. So this is another reason that cross-training can be so beneficial to us as riders. Okay. Complexity. Complexity is an external flow trigger. And this is all about problem solving. This is all about mastering the intricacies of what you're working on in that moment. The idea here is that you want it to be a little bit challenging, right? And the complexity, it shouldn't put you into overwhelm. We don't want that. We don't want you to just shut down. But it shouldn't be so simple that your brain is like, nah. I don't need to pay attention to that. You're good. You take care of that. When you're engaging in complex activities, this can help you get into flow because you get so absorbed in the process of problem solving. Our brains love puzzles, right? And mastering the intricacies of whatever you're working on. And so this complexity, you have to have a balance between flexing your skills, right? Like we can do this, we can do this, but still within your capabilities. So the thing about complex tasks is that it really encourages this continuous learning, encourages continuous improvement. And so as you are encountering these new challenges, you're going to develop new skills, new strategies, and that really gives you such a sense of accomplishment. That's the same thing with your horse. As you work on more and more advanced maneuvers, you feel good, right? You're like, ooh, that, you did that. You just feel proud of yourself. And that's wonderful. That is amazing. So when you can gradually just increase complexity as your skills are improving, that really can help keep you motivated, can help keep you in the zone. This is great. So we've covered risk, novelty, complexity. All right, we're going to cover deep embodiment. This is, it probably sounds a little like, what is that? Well, this just means that your action and your awareness merge. You could think of this as a feeling of oneness 
with your surroundings. A painter might feel like the brush is part of her arm. As a rider, you might not be able to differentiate your body from your horse, right? Surfers might feel like they're one with the ocean. That's an example of deep embodiment. This total physical and sensory immersion in your activity. And when you experience deep embodiment, you are so acutely aware of your body and your movements and your sensations. And as an athlete here, this is about really where your movements are just going to flow so naturally and you're riding all of the cues that you give your horse. Is It's that feeling when it just unfolds without conscious effort. Things that can help you with deep embodiment as a flow trigger are things like breath control. We're talking deep controlled breathing because again, this really helps calm your mind, reduce distractions, enhance concentration. Grounding techniques are really helpful for deep embodiment. These are things like just feel your feet on the ground, put your hands on an object. You can just literally touch your horse. That really can help anchor you in the present moment. And these are all things, of course, that I go over in the Mental Gym for Equestrians and with my clients as we go deep on all of these. Visualization helps the deep embodiment. By visualizing yourself successfully riding your horse, successfully doing that run, nailing that you know transition, and feeling the body sensations associated with it, you can prepare yourself for the actual experience because, again, brain can't really tell the difference. So it helps you so much. And so those are three ways that you can really practice things to help with deep embodiment as a flow trigger, that sensory and physical immersion in an activity. And if you need something that just sounds really fun, dance is great for this because again, it's that immersion in an activity. And so anything that you've got physical skill and coordination just dance. It's so great for this. Okay. The last external trigger we're going to cover here is unpredictability. Now, this is basically, it's saying something to your brain like, hey, pay attention. I don't know what's happening. It might be important. So when you encounter something that is difficult to foresee or you anticipate something that's going to require you to adapt and respond in real time. This is a perfect catalyst for hacking into flow. And again, this is perfectly like so many things in horses, right? Because even if you're out there, cow events, oh my gosh, cow events are so great for being in flow because it's literally all about the unpredictability of the cow, right? (laughs) Like that's what it's about. Or You might be thinking like, oh, if you're in a rail class and there's lots of horses, you don't know exactly what any horse is going to do at any given time. It's why some people might have really great moments in the warm-up pen because there's all that weird stuff going on and they're just really propels them into flow. You can use this even when you're alone, like if you're doing a solo pattern or solo run out in the arena during a competition. It's still unpredictable. Somebody might drop their water bottle down the stands and go boom, 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 boom. You know, some kid might get hurt and start screaming. Like your horse might throw a shoe and stumble. There's plenty of unpredictability 
And the thing about unpredictability is it's just that that unpredictability demands for your brain to pay attention. That's what it's about, about hacking you into flow here, okay? So there's all of these things, dynamic changes, sudden changes, unique scenarios. Again, it is important to manage this unpredictability so that you don't end up feeling overwhelmed. And that's, again, something I work with my clients on because there can be so much unpredictability when it comes to horses and training and showing that they're just like, oh my gosh, I'm having a meltdown. (laughs) And I get that. That's all I understand. But when you can, you strive to kind of have this balance where you want to introduce some unpredictability because it helps, you know, cue your brain to be like, hey, pay attention, get over here, like be here. And the great thing about horses, though, is that you don't always have to introduce a lot of extra unpredictability. You just have to allow it. It's going to kind of be there. And so you want to have it in a way that is meshes with your skill level so that you can be engaged and challenged. All right. So we've covered internal and external flow triggers. So let's go over creative triggers for flow. This is so cool. and. This is one of my favorites. This is creativity and pattern recognition. Our brains love this. So when your brain links old information, just something it already knows, right? When it links that old information to something new and then it arrives at an original idea, this sets off a whole cascade of neurochemicals that feel so good in your brain. Your brain is like, yes, 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 more, more, more. I love this. This is the creative flow state. So if you have a great idea, get started on it. Just dive in immediately because those neurochemicals, they're in your favor. I know this is, of course, easier said than done, but let's at least try and write them down. Okay, but creativity and pattern recognition. Our brains love patterns. They love this. So This is about generating novel and original ideas through meaningful patterns and connections. This is why if you ever work with somebody and they're giving you feedback on your writing, that I'm sure you've heard of the Socratic method where it's basically about just asking questions and not just giving answers. And so this is why it can be really helpful if somebody is, say, providing you feedback on your writing. They say something like, tell me what worked well on that last circle? What would you like to improve about that circle? But basically, they're asking you questions. Tell me what you observed. What did you do? What did your horse do? And the more they can ask you questions instead of just telling you that that can be a really great trigger for your brain with that creativity and pattern recognition. And your brain's like, yes, 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 I got it. And that can help you get into flow. All right. Now we get to talk about group flow. The cool thing about group flow is that groups, when they have a common mission, right? They're they're on the same page. And this has a really strong sense of belonging. And people, if they have a commitment to this team's success as a team, as a collective, that this shared goal with providing clarity and direction, and this can really focus the group and focus the group's attention and create some really powerful group flow. Okay, for group flow, we've got 
10 triggers here. This is about when a group of people, these group of folks can get together and they can have some crazy amazing innovation from being together. But what do we need if we're going to have great outcomes as a group? Because we all have that horror story of a group project from schools, right? So what do we need to have a great time for group flow? How do we get this creative power of collaboration? Because collaboration can be amazing. So the first thing for group flow is you have to have shared goals. This is such a powerful trigger because when you have all these individuals and they have a common objective, this has helps them have a really strong sense of belonging, commitment to success of the team. And this provides such clarity of direction so that helps reduce ambiguity and take care of conflicts that might come up when you have differing individual objectives, right? And so you've got to have a shared focus and objectives. Another group flow trigger is close listening. I think some of these group flow triggers can be really helpful because we don't use them all the time, but we do in the horse world interact with other people. We have things like local organizations, national organizations, even just barn dynamics and working with a trainer and thinking about how can you help have those group situations be more successful, right? So I do think that even though it's a fairly individual sport, that nobody wins or loses alone. You know, I just watched the NRHA fraternity and oh my goodness, they take those folks out for the winning picture. There's 50 plus people. They're just cramming them in the take of half the arena for each photo. It is a team effort. And so you've got to figure out how do you have a successful experience when you have people working together. All right. So another one, close listening. I usually hear this referred to as active listening. And this is about being fully present and really being attentive when somebody else is talking and not just to their words, but listening to the emotion, to the tone and the nonverbal cues. This really helps create that connection with one another. Here's another great group flow trigger. It's called Yes And. This comes from improv theater. And this is about when you respond to something somebody else says and you kind of accept it and then build upon it rather than just dismissing somebody else's idea. This is just very accepting and validating when somebody has an idea or a suggestion, you respond with yes, and that signals acceptance and validation, and then you build upon whatever they've said. So that really improves team dynamics because it helps you reduce any defensiveness. That way, instead of roadblock after roadblock, they find encouragement and support. And so you get more of this positive feedback loop of getting people to just open up. Some examples of this, because this is kind of a really interesting one, especially if there's somebody who is really frustrating to you and you just kind of want to say all their ideas are not helpful. Here's an idea of how you could respond. So this is something like, (laughs) oh my gosh, there is a donkey in the kitchen. And instead of saying, no, there isn't, you would say something like, oh, wow, yes, and I hope that the donkey will be staying for dinner, right? And so that's an example of just yes, and you just keep it moving forward. 
I do think that keeping a forward focus is usually helpful for not ruminating on the past. Okay, next group flow trigger, sense of control. Related to autonomy and empowerment, even in a group, people want to feel, they want to have that sense of control over their actions and the outcomes. And so in group flow, you have a sense of control that arises when team members believe they have influence over their contributions, when they think that it matters, right? So you can do things to encourage autonomy within group members to support people, have open communication. All right, another big one for group flow is blending egos. I know that we've all seen this because we're human. And blending egos, you have to be able to do that in order to have group flow. And here, you have to set aside individual egos to have a focus on whatever your group goal is. Equal participation is also a group flow trigger. And this is where everybody has to participate, basically. No wallflowers. If people are not participating, they're really going to put a damper on the group getting into flow. And for true equal participation, it does help if the team members, if their skill is all roughly the same, because it helps for everybody to be able to participate. And it also helps people feel more comfortable sharing without feeling like they're going to maybe be ridiculed. Right. Familiarity is a group flow trigger. And this is just about having a strong foundation of understanding and trust. And it helps you feel more comfortable to express your thoughts and be vulnerable because you know that you're around people who will support and respect you. Constant communication also is a group flow trigger. So this is about talk, 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 talk. You've got to have ideas just flowing freely. Decisions are made. People know what's going on. You just have to be talking, be in communication. Shared risk is a group flow trigger where you are sharing together (laughs) the risk. Okay, we're getting to the end here. Shared risk. This is so interesting. Basically, the group has to experience some amount of shared risk for group flow. So to use the improv group origin of these flow triggers, a lot of times you might think of these improv groups, they might not experience flow during a rehearsal. Well, why is that? That can be because it might seem like that they have to have the audience, right? They have to have the risk of failure, the shared risk here, to really help drive and focus their attention to the present moment to lock in flow. It's interesting because professional actors, they often harness feelings of stage fright to propel them to a powerful flow state. And this is really powerful. I know that we're talking about shared risk right now, but as horse riders, do not sleep on this one in terms of reframing your feelings of essentially stage fright, right? If you get nervous riding in front of others, if you have anxiety before competition, learn how to harness that and utilize that to propel you to greatness instead of letting it stop you. 
But back to the group, a lot of organizations, they are so focused, they cannot abide any sort of risk or failure. This really just stops flow in its tracks because you have to be able to risk failure. And if you want to invite innovation. Okay, so we've covered today these flow triggers, internal triggers, external triggers, group flow triggers, creative flow triggers. And I know this is going to help you to find your unique flow triggers. And when you do, I want you to share with me what they are. You can leave a comment. If you've made it this far in the episode, thank you so much for being here. Helps out the podcast so much. Please go down, rate this episode, rate the whole podcast five stars, leave a comment on what your flow trigger is. I want to hear it. And understanding and harnessing flow triggers, this can unlock the door for you to exceptional performance in the saddle. And as I mentioned in the beginning, it's going to up your well-being in your personal and your professional life, okay? So this is going to make you a better rider. It's going to make you happier. It's going to make everything in your life better, okay? Science has shown that it's true. So again, thank you so much for being here. I love being able to share this with you. I want you to be better riders and I believe in you. I know that you have it within you to be the writer of your dreams. And I love and am so honored to be part of your journey by helping you get there through sharing this stuff with you. Thank you so much. You can follow me on social media at Resilient Rainer at Nicole Burnett Coaching and send me a message, send me an email, comment on the podcast. I love hearing from you. It just makes my day every time you guys send me a message sharing what you're working on, sharing how the podcast has helped you and inspired you. It really just makes the difference. And I am so grateful that I can be a part of your journey and be out there making a positive difference with you guys. So thank you so much for listening. Get out there, ride your horse, and let me know how you are going to help yourself hack a flow state for better rides. And I will talk to you next week. Thanks so much. Amazing writers. Before we wrap up today's episode, I've got something truly special for you. As we close out 2023 and start anew in 2024, it's the perfect time to reflect on your equestrian journey and set some exciting new goals for the year ahead. I am thrilled to introduce you to my end-of-year riding reflection worksheet. This isn't just any worksheet. This is your personal roadmap to dive deep into your riding experiences, your dreams, and aspirations to make sure you learn from all you went through this last year and extract the knowledge and wisdom that you need to level up. With this powerful tool, you'll celebrate your achievements, pinpoint areas for growth, and craft a vision for your equestrian journey in this upcoming year. Now, here's the best part. It's absolutely free. It's my gift to you. To get your hands on this invaluable resource, all you have to do is head over to my website, 
NicoleBurnettCoaching.com or click the link conveniently placed in the podcast description. So saddle up, grab your favorite pen, and embark on this transformational journey of reflection and vision. Let's make the next year your most remarkable one yet.